Hello, and welcome to Please Don't Send Me Into Outer Space, the podcast intent on exploring all that science fiction and fantasy has to offer one movie at a time. My name is Joel. My name is Sarah. Uh, there is no Aaron, there is only Zool. <laughs> we didn't order any Zool. Did you order Zool? <laughs> I mean, I'm not hungry. <laughs> The movie this week is Ghostbusters from 1984, directed by Ivan Reitman and written by Dan Aykroyd, Harold Ramis, and uh, apparently Rick Rick Moranis uncredited. That's interesting. Anyways, uh, starring Bill Murray, Dan Aykroyd, Sigourney Weaver, Harold Ramis, Rick Moranis, Annie Potts, William Atherton, Ernie Hudson, and... uh, with a special appearance by Reginald Bell Johnson as the guy that helps Die Hard beat Die Hard. Oh. I assume. That was a shocking moment for me. Joel, why does the name Ivan Reitman sound familiar to me? Why, he has a son named uh, Jason Reitman, Mm. who has done some movies. Nice. But he's also, I mean, he's a prolific director himself. Oh, okay, okay. Let's see, he uh, also directed... Well, that's not... That's that's producing. That doesn't help anybody, Joel. Uh, he directed a movie that we also watched previously for the podcast mm. called Evolution. Oh. Which I think was written by, wasn't that written by Dan Aykroyd? I, I probably, it sounds like it's a Dan Aykroyd production. Nope, I made that part up, but you know, that's basically well, Ghostbusters. Made, well, didn't Aykroyd produce it, or Evolution? I know yeah. you acted in it, but I didn't know. Yeah. Yeah, I think so. He's got his money in it. So this was Sarah's pick. Thank you, yeah. Sarah. Yeah, thanks, Sarah. You're welcome. That was it. Was really fun to re- re- rewatch this movie. I can't take credit for how great Ghostbusters is, but it's always been a very special movie for me. Well, you can sure take credit for how great this night was. <laughs> Thank you. I think I heard that you were a big influence on the writers of this movie. So. <laughs> <laughs> you would have been like a two-year-old when they started writing. Yeah, mm. Like, look at that baby. She's so full of energy. Say, Ghostbusters. True story. Oh, yeah, uh, What year did this movie come out? 84. Okay, that, yeah. that No, that all makes sense, because I was one when I saw this. Mm. I was three. I don't have any recollection of seeing this in the theater, but that doesn't mean it didn't happen. I think I saw it on tape first, but I don't know for sure. I'd have to check with my parents. But I was obsessed with this pretty early on. I had a Ghostbusters t-shirt. I was like just totally into it. I was into the... Um, I tried to notice some different things this time when I was watching it because there are the things I always notice 
the things I always notice are the comedy beats and the just really cool dialogue that's funny. And I always notice Bill Murray. He's like, I don't know if I've said this before on Groundhog Day or something, but I honestly think that he might have been my first crush ever. Solid. Just super funny and like sarcastic and I don't know, just super, I just found him to be super relatable for me and it's probably because both of my parents are pretty funny people and they make jokes and stuff that are sarcastic. But anyway, yeah, some other things I noticed watching it this time are that we experience the ghosts as the viewer at the same time that they do. You mean so, like, we're just as shocked as they would be? if? Yeah, it's kind of like they have been talking about this theoretically, but this is, like, the first time they're actually experiencing it. So they may have had some, you know some peripheral exposure to this kind of thing before, but you as the viewer are along for the ride with them as they are experiencing it and trying to put all of the mechanics together. And I think that's part of the adventure of it that makes it so fun. Yeah, it's like uh, somebody who's who's done a, a thousand hours in a flight simulator program or something like that, and then they actually get in a plane to try to fly it, and it's like, this is right. an experience. Ah. Right. <laughs> and if that plane's haunted, it's especially appropriate. You guys want to take a Ghostbusters quiz? I want to see what your uh, your hardcore info is. Okay. See, because uh, how many times do you think you've seen this movie, Aaron? <clears throat> Probably too many. Okay, too many. But Let I me mean, write that down. Uh, I don't know if that makes me a Ghostbuster like aficionado. How many is too many? Uh, like you watched it every day of your life. Well, since it was I mean, <laughs> as a kid, and no, no, please, please don't take my tone incorrect. Uh, uh, too many just means I've seen it a lot, and I love it. Uh, I wasn't trying to, you know, be too off-putting with that statement. Uh, <laughs> no, no, you're one of those Ghostbusters perverts I heard about. Oh Lord! Uh, if, if, you're if one you, of those ghosties. Look, look, uh, <laughs> <laughs> oh, uh, all I can say is, is that. Um, this movie was put on to be a babysitter for me. Oh, okay. Uh, in some instances, nothing against my parents and or aunts or uncles, but, you know, they would put me in the den and put this in the VHS player, you know. So it was a movie I've I've seen a couple of times. I see. Yeah. Okay. Sarah? How many times? I have no idea. Me neither. I think I may have seen this as many times as I've watched Labyrinth, though, which is a lot. Because I had a tape-to-tape copy of that. Nice. I probably had a tape-to-tape copy of this. And The Karate Kid and Flight of the Navigator. Those were some of my favorite jams as a kid. But Ghostbusters is like a special place in my heart. I don't know if everybody else feels that way about Ghostbusters, but there's something special about it. Well, yeah. Ghostbusters is a very special place in my heart, too, Sarah. Uh, ba- not you know, based on my too many comments earlier, I, I assure you mm-hmm. that this is no, a movie. It's, that- it's not one you can really overdo. Yeah. Oh yeah. <laughs> no, no. Every every time it's like it's like seeing a friend 
and a really like special close friend and get to hang out with them and you know it's great it's a totally. great experience totally lots of lots of oozing ooh and ghosts and it's fun you know what these these quizzes I'm looking at are terrible. I'm not gonna ask. Just do it. Go for it. All right. Go for it. Go for it. You ready? I'll probably get it all wrong, but it's gonna be great. Okay. 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 Which of the following is not a Ghostbuster? Okay. Lewis, Winston, Ray, or Peter? I mean, Lewis. Lewis. Oh, okay. Well, jeez. I guess you're not stupid. Uh, next question. <laughs> oh, now I'm starting to sweat a they little bit. They don't call him Peter most of the time. That's true. He could. He could have been Bankman. Yeah. How many mortgages did Ray have on the house his parents gave him after the one he took out in the film? After? After? Yes. Like- I believe this was just the first, though, the first mortgage. There was a mention of three mortgages, but that was uh, that was Peter Bankman stating... Right, um, but we're not getting too technical. How many does he mention? Is it three? It is three. Okay. The answer is three. Sarah, did you know that? Did you remember? Yes, I did. And three mortgages is a lot of mortgages. Yeah. I worked in consumer lending for a long time, and the debt-to-income ratio... Yeah. Well, I believe... Oh, maybe maybe it's because how the comment is, is, is... is given to the viewer that, that he says it's aver- it's an average that every New Yorker has three mortgages. So that that was supposed to be the dead giveaway, okay. right? But I think that's yeah. like a, a goofy a, a goof him up too like line. Uh, that that scene's one of the many scenes where they kind of just like throw away explain how something gets done without like spelling it out because the scene before that is them like having just got fired and standing on the stair. Yeah. The steps outside the college, I assume. Drinking some whiskey. How are we going to pay for that? And Bill's like, I don't know. You know? And then (laughs) then the very next scene is he's walking out of the bank with a contract, you know, with like, I grew up in that house. Like, we don't have to explain, like, other than the the quick dialogue of him walking away. The movie treats the audience like they're intelligent beings. We don't have to go back, like, when they... Like, a typical movie would have introduced Winston, like, very early on to be right. like, oh, we're going to explain what's going on. Yeah. They didn't have to have him experience it because everyone was already experiencing it from the beginning. I mean, they they have a journey that's been set about in motion because they lost their funding. And I think that it's supposed to be Columbia, and they just didn't want to say that. Uh. I think that's in the trivia. But... They have some really awesome New York locations in this. Like, pretty cool. And, uh, yeah, they they need to come up with some money. And then they just show you that <laughs> they're talking about him having a third lien on his property. Or, Yikes. like, a third mortgage. Yeah, he's probably screwed. I, I also like that uh, that tiny calculator that Egon has. Yeah. It like, takes it out. It's like the size of a Zippo. <laughs> like, that's... Uh, that's weird. 80s calculators are usually gigantic, right? Mm, that's true. It's a special little thing. The idea of the calculator watch was pretty phenomenal. Oh, he's a happened. genius, though. He might have invented it himself. I don't even know. All right. What was the name of the creature in Barrett's... That's not her name. Refrigerator yelled at her. The Zool? name? Oh, it is Dana Barrett, isn't it? Zool. Okay, you got that. There you go. You get the pass. What do you think of those doggies? Amazing designs. They're cool. I think it's great. They look kind of like pit bulls or something. 
that have like a gothic twist on them. The sl- slurs, is that what they were called? Uh, no, that's the form that he took in the, uh, the third century or something oh, okay. like that. I didn't know if that this creature was supposed to replicate that um, that form of the slur. According to the wiki that I was looking at, they were mm-hmm. called terror hounds. Okay, very well. I think, which is probably like some reference to the cartoon or something like that. I'm not sure. I really like how they they do a couple of the shots of like stop motion with them, where especially when they're like bursting through the door, oh, or yeah. running after Lewis that time, and then it's like that whole practical puppet thing. <laughs> And you can tell it's a gigantic puppet because it's a lot. A lot of the time, the the puppet is like it looks like it's lying down, but the yeah. front side is moving. Yeah, no, totally, totally. <laughs> Some guy underground. Yeah, I love it. So good, absolutely. I love that they light up and stuff. Yeah, glowing eyeballs and wind. I don't know if they had a natural wind like most spirits in this movie did, though. That's a, that's how I could tell something was haunted. If the wind is blowing, there's a ghost. The effects, yeah, the light. There was like a light and electricity and kind of like wind that they had, and I think it's really cool that. Well, anyway, were you going to say something? Oh, no, no. I think it's really cool that Sigourney Weaver. She she's awesome. She's a badass. Yeah. Okay. She was such a badass as Ripley, and she's such a badass in this. Oh, yeah. But in this movie, she goes from being this totally straight-laced person to being this creature, this, like, possessed (laughs) person, and I find it so funny because of the way they do it with Bill Murray trying to talk to her, but she's, like tinted in gold after she's possessed. It's not just her clothing that has gold in it, but her face. She has like gold makeup on her face. And she's just doing a completely different thing at that point, and it's really awesome. Yeah, they do that yeah. thing with the makeup to like highlight her cheekbones too. Yeah. And they somehow like she's she's got this very soft look all throughout the movie until she gets possessed and then they somehow make her severe look as almost as severe as the whoever the actress that played uh, Gozer was, but just just in that direction. And when when uh, Lewis gets possessed, he he just looks very disheveled. <laughs> yeah, he no, his does eyes it. glow, guys. Well, I mean, when he's angry, he's he's like the Hulk, you know. Yeah, he does look disheveled though. Totally. Yeah, he d- he. Looks like a dog mauled him. <laughs> <laughs> I love Rick Moranis. I it, like he's he's yeah. one of my favorite things in any movie he's in. Rick Moranis here, here. is totally so agree. good too. Yeah, man. And oh, Little Shop of Horrors. I loved that as a oh kid. Oh my gosh, too. that is oh my ingrained gosh. in my personality. <laughs> you know what movie he is really good in? Which one? Streets of Fire. Ooh. Second episode in a row with a Streets of Fire reference. Is Rick Moranis in that? Yeah. He plays... The main character? Yes. He plays that guy with the... Uh, the No, he plays uh, Will- Willem Dafoe. <laughs> he's, he's like... Uh, it's a really interesting turn for him because he's like this take-no-crap take uh, business manager. He's like the boyfriend and manager of... Uh, what's her name? Uh, in the movie. And he's like, 
always he's like acting tough as nails and but he doesn't want to be mixed up in any of the bad business that happens in it. Anyways, I like that movie. The actress who plays uh, Gozer is Slavica Jovan. She's a Serbian actress. I see. Mm-hmm. Well, she certainly frightened me. I think she's great. Yeah. She's scary with those red eyes. I don't... What happened to the rest of the actresses from that uh, Addicted to Love video? I mean, did they all become evil gods or just... Hello? Uh, anyways, uh, let's move on with the uh, quiz here. You know, models are people, too. They're probably just people living their lives now. <laughs> <laughs> you okay there, man? Yeah, I was just trying to remember some lyrics to Addicted to Love, other than uh, you might as well face it, you're addicted to love, but that didn't work out, so I can't. Uh, uh, what? They were in another one of his videos, too. Uh-huh. That poor guy. Simply had, irresistible. Oh, yeah, that's right. Yeah, yeah, she's so fine. There's no telling she's where the money is. She's so fine. <laughs> There's no telling where the money is. Don't you think that Robert Palmer had this really funny, like, like serious, like, reserved, like, straight-laced-in-a-suit thing? But <laughs> he was always yelling about, like, how hot some girl was. <laughs> <laughs> He was he was serious in his suit, and he demanded the uh, people in his video were also very serious in the other thing. Simply irresistible. <laughs> de- de- oh man, I'm gonna play that when I get. <laughs> so fun. Okay. Anyways, uh, <laughs> moving on to the next question. What was the name of the EPA inspector that came by the Ghostbusters headquarters to look at the storage facility? Dickless. <laughs> yes, it is Richard Less, aka Dick Less. No, that's not correct. I <laughs> know uh, I'm going to fail this one. You I don't want to give you the multiple choice answers. Can you please? Yes. Is it Walter Peck, Paul Peck, Walter Schleck, or Paul Schleck? Probably the first one, Walter, Walter Peck. Peck. The answer is Walter Peck. That's correct. I love that actor, William Atherton. Um, oh, he's amazing. I'm trying. I, I've definitely seen him in way more things than Die Hard in this movie, but those two stand out because they, like he's the asshole in both yeah. of them. Very typecasted and, as far as that's concerned. <laughs> but in Die Hard, he like his comeuppance is Bonnie Bedelia punches him in the face, and this one he gets he gets marshmallowed. So good, mm-hmm. so good, man. He must have had so much fun. Yeah, I hope so. I don't know. I think so. I think I, so. <laughs> based on like the information I heard, like I heard the outside of the the you know Dan Aykroyd, Bill Murray, and uh, Harold Ramis, that there was a lot of like crew tension and stuff oh, like that. Really? Because, like I don't even know if it was what what the, the situation was, but. Got it. I mean, Bill Murray was trouble, from what I understand. Before. Oh, yeah. I mean, I can only imagine. He's a very powerful personality. I can only imagine that uh, on set must be pretty terrible. <laughs> and he's also six feet taller than everyone else, except for in this movie. I can only imagine. It must be pretty rough. <laughs> How much taller was he than Richard Dreyfus? and what about Bob? I don't know. He's taller, though. Of course he is. That's the only way they got any of those things to work out in this movie, is that everyone was about the same height. Even Sigourney Weaver. But, I you think, know, for... 
Oh, sorry, Sarah. Go for it. Oh, I was just going to say, I think the kid in What About Bob is kind of tall for a kid. Because it doesn't seem like the kid is really short compared to Bill Murray. I mean, obviously, he's not as tall as Bill Murray, but he doesn't seem like he's three feet tall. Yeah, I, I liked it when Bill Murray played that giant in Twin Peaks. Oh, you know what? This guy, William Atherton, was also in Real Genius as that evil professor. Oh, yeah. He was like the bad guy typecast. That's what he likes playing, I guess. Him and Reginald Vell Johnson, both in Die Hard. You know, for as difficult as Bill Murray must be, I'm really glad that he was in this movie. Yeah. Makes me really happy. And obviously, he is like a nice enough and a friendly enough person that people kept wanting him in movies and yeah. having him in stuff. Unlike, you know, che uh, Chevy Chase. You know, I yeah. love Chevy Chase's work from the 80s. Oh, absolutely. And maybe even into the... I'm one of those crazy people that likes even some of the movies that has a worse reputation. But um, obviously, nobody wants to work with him. Yeah. And that didn't happen. There's a reason. Murray. There's a reason. Yeah, because you... You said something bad about him. Mm -hmm. He's mean to everybody. No, I, I think there's definitely a good, a really, you know, awesome side to Bill Murray as well. I don't, I don't know. Yeah, I don't know if he's hard to work with or what. I just know I've heard he's hard to get a hold of. That anytime somebody wants to use him in a movie, it takes a long time to track him down. I guess Sofia Coppola had waited like a year to offer in the Lost in Translation part because she'd been trying to get a hold of him. And she had like connections in the industry too. Mm. I mean, anyway, I love Bill Murray and I don't know about the situations. I know, I know that um, he was probably kind of a heartbreaker on Saturday Night Live. I've kind of heard that peripheral. Whose heart was he breaking? Well, before... Um, before Gene Wilder <laughs> he was breaking Gildy Radner's heart. <laughs> uh, don't quote me. He's he's like six feet taller than her. But Gene Wilder was super tall too. Mm hmm. I mean, I don't want to spread any rumors or anything, but there was no, a reason. This, this is gossip corner. There was a reason why Ghostbusters three wasn't made. Mm. And I think it's because the band broke up. Mm. Oh yeah. Yeah, Ramus Ramus couldn't stand. Murray anymore. Oh, I see. Oh, that's yeah. too bad. Yeah, it's an, and and though they de they definitely were still friends, they were there was very their relationship was very estranged after yeah. the making of two. So, well, that's and, too bad. I mean, but... at least that's what it's been explained to me over the years because you know I get I got really obsessive over why why such an amazing franchise didn't keep going. Couldn't even make a third. You know, make a third. You know. It must have been really difficult as a ghosty to just not yeah. have that extra material for <laughs> to perv out on you to be yeah. able to do what you need to do. If you know what I mean. <laughs> no, and th thank you, Joel. Thank you for <laughs> for understanding my pain. If um, you know what I mean. <laughs> That's uh, I'm gonna get my uh, Stay Puff Marshmallow Man costume on and give you a hug. Sounds good. No, I changed my mind. Uh, the Ghostbusters' first real call was to a hotel in New York City. What floor did the hotel manager say had had always had disturbances? The twentieth. I don't know. Are we getting choices? Yes, the thirteenth, fourteenth, eleventh, and twelfth. I mean, oh. I mean, I want to say thirteenth because just because that's the number. Uh, uh, 
Can can I use contact or? <laughs> I want to say twelve. Yes, you can phone a friend. Can I phone a friend? Yes. Uh, honestly, I don't have the answer yet because this is the one that I'm a hundred percent sure on. I'm pretty sure he says the fourteenth, mm-hmm. which in hotels is the thirteenth floor yeah. because they always skip that, right? Yep. Mm. So I think that is the case. Okay. Yeah, I was saying I I heard an interview with the guy who plays the hotel manager on the movie and the podcast. Uh, I was there too. Mm-hmm. Which is really good for like covers a lot of character actors and like the either parts that were cut out of of popular movies nice. or or like bit parts that they had to do. Yeah, and uh, that was it was really good. But I I honestly can't remember anything the guy said, which is yeah. means I just need to re-listen to it. That hotel, that whole hotel sequence, like. There's that part where uh, I I just want to say I like Dan Aykroyd is like a genius of like comedy in this movie. Yeah, like the the cigarette hanging around the mouth thing, so good. And uh, there's a part where after Bill Murray gets slimed and he's like running through the hallway, it's it's kind of like The Shining because the camera is like right after him. Oh yeah, he's like going thing, and then when he turns the corner, then we see Bill Murray on the ground. I don't know. It, it's just, it's done so well. Yeah. There's a lot of awesome things in the movie. And while we were watching it, I was like, there's so many quotable lines that are like famous now and iconic like visuals that when you see them, you just think of, you think of the movie because they're just so, like, I particularly. Like the part where Rick Moranis is outside of the restaurant and the dog comes up after him. That's yeah. like, that is so classic. So I feel, good. I mean, I don't know if that's ripping off like another really like cool art movie or something that I'm not thinking of, but I just think it's such a cool and funny moment. <laughs> I, I love it. Same here. I do feel like there are throwbacks or, or shout-outs to other movies, uh, like Poltergeist, um, I, uh, definitely The Exorcist, you know, Dana getting possessed that way. I want to say that that part where he's, yeah, where he's banging on the windows of the restaurant reminds me of The Omen for some reason, but I have no idea why. Because we watched that recently, and I'm not. Maybe I'm just making up a connection in my head. Yeah, I don't know. And no. David Warner doesn't get his head chopped off by a pane of glass. <laughs> All right, let's move on. The graduate. Plastics. <laughs> I'm like, is there a part where someone's banging on a window in a movie? <laughs> <laughs> yes. <laughs> Elaine. <laughs> Oh, yeah, and then, uh, what's-his-name gets mauled by a huge dog. That was a weird end to that movie. How much do the Ghostbusters charge for their first capture? $5,000. I'm gonna have to... I'll confirm. It was Mm $5,000. And I believe the uh, man in charge of the hotel was very upset at this amount. Mm -hmm. Do you remember the line? mm -mm. I refuse to pay. And they were like, well, let's put this back. Well, we can just put that back right back in there, can't we, Ray? Yeah. Yes, yes, we can. Or something like that. Absolutely. What does it say? Something funny. Mm-hmm. I don't remember the exact banter. Well, dang it. 
How much does Peter say he will pay his volunteer whom he is questioning and shocking in the beginning of the film? Five dollars. I'll confirm. I like that scene. Me too! It's all Bill Murray charisma going on there. Me too! (laughs) And uh, that guy who was getting shocked is actually one of the main characters in Christine. uh, John Carpenter's movie based on the Stephen King book. Oh! I've seen that movie, yeah. Yeah. He's the the guy who's, like, like going against the car? No, no, he's not the... He's the nerd that, like, buys the car. He's the car lover. Okay. (laughs) He's car lover number three. Oh. I didn't recognize him, but we just watched that movie not too long ago. Yeah, I was trying to... Well, yeah, when we watched it, I was like, where does this guy's face look familiar? And I don't think... If I'd only seen Ghostbuster once, it probably wouldn't have occurred, but since we've seen it so many times, it's like, yeah, I know that guy's face. <laughs> Do you think that his hair is puffed out that way because it's his natural hairstyle, or... Uh... I believe it's supposed to be a reference to the the shock he's been getting. Okay, just checking. FYI, maybe. Maybe. Maybe it's also a stylistic choice. It was the, you know, early 80s. That's true. Let's see. What was the name of the beautiful second volunteer in the beginning of the film? Uh, Jesse's girl. Gonna be honest, I don't remember. Jennifer, Janine, Alice, or Kathy? Janine. Sarah says Janine, Aaron? Mm, Janine is the name of the secretary, so I'm gonna say it's probably... Uh, Jennifer, yeah. Jennifer, okay. I don't know either, so put that in. Uh, that lady uh, was married to Casey Kasem. I don't know if she was at the time the movie was being made. Oh, no, no, no. I'm mixing her up. The blonde at the party that's like, yeah. I'm leaving. Yeah. <laughs> oh, maybe if we dance, everyone else would. Okay. Yeah. And no, it's good. It's good. She is Casey Kasem's wife. Oh. And Casey Kasem. You know who Casey Kasem is? Yeah, he's like the radio guy. He's shaggy. Yeah. Anyways. I just looked up that random fact, because I'm cool. You are cool, Joel. Oh, thank you. What instrument does Dana Barrett play? Cello. She plays a synthesizer, Joel. Mm-hmm. Oh, she does? That's <laughs> radical. And she plays the aerobics, too. Yeah. Yeah, she, I mean, she's doing this. She's got the aerobics outfit, but she's just doing the sit-ups there. That's what uh, in uh, Running Man that uh, Maria Lee, uh, uh, Maria Anita, uh, Maria, whatever the actress is in, Alonzo, Maria Conchita Alonzo, she's just like on a weight-pressing bench in a unit tart or something. What is she in? She, oh, she's wearing lingerie and no, she's doing sit-ups. Yeah. Negligee. Know, Sigourney Weaver wasn't wearing a negligee. No, she was wearing the, the proper you know, <laughs> 80s workout attire. Absolutely. <laughs> <laughs> Alright. Last question. What creatures do Dana Barrett and Lewis Tully become? And it's talking about like, what do they call themselves? Give us a list, homie. Master and key master, key master and doorkeeper, gatekeeper and key master, doormaster and gatekeeper. Well, we know the answer's not on that list, because you, you told us they're hellhounds. Well, yeah, but it's one of those... I know. Th- 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 Obviously. Gate, <laughs> gatekeeper, key master. Yeah. And who was who? Um, 
I think it's kind of like, you know, she's the gate, he's the key. Yeah. Like a yeah, sexual sort of thing. Yeah, especially since you explained to me that they actually were having sex, and then Aaron revealed that that baby in Ghostbusters 2 is probably Lewis's baby. I, I can't confirm that. Where did you hear that? I, I just made it up right now, dude. Well, you just blew my mind, because that's, <laughs> that's like such an obvious connection. I wonder how many people have ever thought that. I don't think it is the case, because I believe uh, Bill Murray... Uh, Bill Murray, uh, uh, Vankman has a conversation with her about the previous uh, boyfriend that's no longer in the picture anymore. Yeah, but that's that, I think that's about all she says, is that he's no longer in the picture. Mm. I'm not sure. I guess maybe the implication is is that it might not be his kid, too. You're right, it could it could be... I know it's not his. Yeah, it's not Vankman's yeah. kid. Well, it's not Vankman's, but I'm saying it might not be the, the previous boyfriend's kid, either. Interesting. So many layers. How many years later was Ghostbusters 2? Uh, I mean, it was 1986, I, I think. I don't think. No, yeah. no, 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 no. It, it was 87, 88, around there. No, 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 89. Oh. Five years later, that still, lightning had already escaped the bottle. I still remember going to the theater and seeing that one, though. Really? Very vivid memories. I was scared of that movie. Part two, when I was a kid. Why, because of Vigo? Vigo was gross, talking about his crown of, his throne of blood. I had Ghostbuster pajamas that I wore to the movie theater. Nice. Throne of skulls and a river of blood. Or something like that. Mm -hmm. Vigo. Vigo. is a baby. (laughs) Vigo is a creepy head in the painting. Yes. Totally. That scared me also. No, the river of pink me. slime, guys. The river of slime. Okay, anyways. Uh, <laughs> let's see. So the uh, correct answer is the 12th floor. You were right, Sarah. Oh. I knew there was a two in it. Somebody saw a cockroach up on 12. Jennifer is the correct answer. And uh, she was known as the gatekeeper. And the Flymaster. Oh. Yep. <laughs> what, are, what are some of your favorite things about the movie, Joel? One, uh, let's, I, I really like its pacing. Mm-hmm. Like, I like the fact that we're not... Like, it, it just it just goes by so quickly. Everything that happens there. And, and every scene has its moments of humor... And also, they they do take seriously the thing that they're doing. Like, y- you get the sense from them that even though they're not, like, outright scared, that they are, like, a little freaked out in every situation. But they're, I, I, we're supposed to be, like, New York guys, so it's like, well, well this is weird, but, you know, I'm not going to run away because somebody's paying me to do this or whatever. Well, I mean, the, the, the constant theme of this movie is, is that none of this is, has been shown in any sort of practice, right? Like, from the very beginning oh, of the yeah. movie. They're, they're, they're exterminators. Just, that's, no, but, like, every conversation that they have is like, oh, crap, we've never done this before. Yeah, like, oh, crap, we, we have nuclear... We, yeah, we got nuclear reactors on our backs, you know? You know, I, I hate working in the private sector, you know? They expect results, you know? Like, you know? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Teachers just sit around school doing nothing. nothing that's what yeah. he said. That's what he said. So, so that's why... That's what, that's what kind of makes this movie so awesome, is that even in... You know, obviously they have no training with dealing with gods, and mm-hmm. here they are, <laughs> you know, <laughs> yeah. doing it. 
that there's a levity to everything that's happening that makes it feel like even if you didn't know what you were doing and you were in one of the most scary possible situations, if you it makes it feel like if you were with your friends, you guys might be able to figure something out. They're untrained, but they're still doing it. Yeah, exactly. You know? Yeah, it makes it feel like you can find a way to figure something out. Heck yeah. Here's here's a problem here. They obviously make a successful business, and it's a business big enough that they're like all over the newspapers and magazines, and they're being interviewed on TV and stuff like that. Like, Dana can't even turn on your TV without one of them being on some show that she happens to be watching her. Yeah, every every channel. So, where are all the imitators? Because that's what happens, right? Something successful pops up, so uh, everybody's like, oh, we can also bust ghosts. Uh, yeah. We do it for a lot less, too. $400. Bust all your ghosts. I think that's kind of revealed in the cartoon show. There's oh, probably there some... imitator? I think there might be some falsification of ghost hunting. I could be wrong, though. I, I was watching, because real Ghostbusters just was added to Netflix like a little while back. So mm-hmm. after I finished ne- Next Generation, I was using that to watch before going to bed. Yeah. So I can't remember I'm going to not I don't remember half of what I was watching, but <laughs> uh, I remember there being a few episodes where they were dealing with like some fake ghostery. So ma- maybe that you was You mean they they were catching people pretending to yeah. be ghosts? Yeah. Oh, okay. Like you know like Scooby Scooby Doo kind of style. Oh, see, yeah, I can understand that. Like if you set up like fake ghosts and then you went in and, and bust those fake ghosts. Mm-hmm. Like, oh, yeah, give me give me the money now. Yep. And then Winston is like, "Yeah." I also remember there just being a lot of episodes about Slimer. Like yeah. a lot of episodes. <laughs> Uh, there's a reason why the show changed its name to Slimer and, and the, the Real, Real Ghostbusters. Ghostbusters. Yeah, and that was the that's what kids liked. Oh, they wanted more Slimer. As an adult, I'm like, no thanks. <laughs> Slimer, take a back seat. <laughs> Slimer was not as scary for kids as some of the other stuff. Like, there's a part where there's just a straight up like skeleton driving a cab that's like gross looking <laughs> and the ghost i will still say that as a kid the scariest part for me was the ghost in the beginning um in the library yeah. when she like stretches and looks all crazy that's like when i was little that one and the and the moment with the creepy truck driver in peewee's big adventure oh yeah those were both like a scary moment for me as a kid but I mean, now I'm like, wow, that is nothing. <laughs> oh no, but I, I can, I get it, I get it. Um, the vibrant colors they used with her, too. Oh man, spooky. It's really like their use of like the the neon things going on for all the spiritual stuff is 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 just it's so good that way. I I don't know what else they would. It, it's like hard to imagine what else they would do. To to make it so effective or something like yeah. that. Like what what movies were doing like weird spirits before that? I'm I'm sure they were horror movies or something like that. But um, I mean, just based on what we've watched, like transparency is always a thing. Mm-hmm. You know, uh, music cues, music cues to make things seem, uh, you know, spookier. Like the the devil in uh, 
Dan- Daniel Webster, right? That was a terrifying movie. Very spooky. That the, f- the burning flash the paper. Jury of the damn. Yeah, dude. I feel like part of ghosts when you see them in film, it's usually like it's transparent partially, but it's partially kind of like muted, like colors. Yeah. So you'll see maybe colors, but they might be kind of more subtle. Yeah. It's like to give it that feeling that it's not quite in this world. Mm-hmm. Like if it, if you actually saw it, it would be like the librarian. The librarian is super bright when she like reveals like, ah! You know. The only time where I think they go off script on that sort of idea is probably in The Shining with the lady in the bathtub. That's probably the first time where it's like, it's very tangible. Yeah. You know what I mean? I thought you meant in this movie. Because oh. I think that Sarah pointing out that cab driver, he doesn't really fit in with the rest of the... Uh, well, yeah, no, but I think there was a point to that, though. The the, the idea was that, like, like it's it's real now. Oh, like, yeah. you know, before they were apparitions, but now you've released everything all at once, mm-hmm. you know? And, and and it's like the time is right for them to, like, ru- to like rule over the earth. So that was kind of the idea of why we had the gross oozy skeleton in the, in the car. Yeah. And the music's all like, it's a kind of magic. Actually, I don't know what that song says. No, that was great, Joel. <laughs> it's spooky kind of magic. <laughs> <laughs> Throw that saxophone the theme, in there. The Ghostbusters theme, like, is gotta be one of the top like themes of movies, especially in the eighties. Oh yeah. But like, it was so on the radio, like so much heavy airplay when oh, I was yeah. a kid. I read in the trivia that the guy who wrote the song only thought of it of doing it that way because um, his kid yelled Ghostbusters when he was like talking about doing a song for the movie, and <laughs> then he like Ray did Parker the Jr. chorus like that. That's funny. That was a good choice. Uh, yeah, smart move. I like the music video too because it's like the end of it. It's got all the celebrities like saying Ghostbusters. Yeah, I don't remember the music video for it. It has, I mean, I think it has all the actual Ghostbusters in it doing stuff, but at the end, it's like all these, like, celebrities at the time being like, Ghostbuster, you know? Mm-hmm. Like, this old person doesn't know what a Ghostbuster is. But, like, when you think about, when you think about movies nowadays, like, I feel a lot of them, a lot of movies, like, similar to this one, I feel are a little, pretty disposable in comparison to this movie. Like... I mean, what, 1984 it came out, right? Mm -hmm. People were still talking about it like it was, like, brand new when I was, like, in kindergarten by that point. So, you know, like, six years later, like, like it barely just happened, you know? And and then then even thinking about it right now, like, how much merch still comes out, like, yeah. It's, there's nothing quite like this. Yeah, it's got a power to it. Yeah, I think... I I think being in kindergarten, I don't know how many years it took to come out on VHS. Maybe that was part of it. Uh, it used to take forever for stuff to come out on fair VHS. Enough. We were talking about that recently, about when um, the McDonald's line of toys was out for the Jungle Book. You remember those ones with oh, like yeah. the snake and the bear, and and that it was possible that some people hadn't seen the Jungle Book. Like, since it had screened yeah. when it first came out in theaters. Oh, that blows my mind. they came out with it again. Yeah. yeah. 
It's kind of crazy because they didn't. I Me- mean, media consumption's so different now. Yeah, like when huh. they came out with a beta and they started making tapes that you could check out from the video store oh, yeah. and stuff. Yeah, it's just a different time we're living in now. <laughs> I guess that's true. You're right. You're right. <laughs> but it's weird. It's possible it didn't come out on VHS until closer to the time we were in elementary school. Wow. Okay. I don't know. No, no, no. I mean, that that's re- that's a re- revelation to me. <laughs> yeah, I mean, it might have been a situation where it just, like, wasn't affordable. since uh, Like, VHSs were super expensive when they were, like, first released for public consumption mm-hmm. so who knows i don't even know like i'm sure my family must have had a copy of it i don't remember if it was like a tape off of tv type thing or movie channel type thing one of my favorite comic book artists who recently passed away uh bernie wrightson did a lot of um concept art for the movie and uh some of it which uh was rejected or just not used for the film is amazing. Like, uh, he had designed this, like, entire, like, gates to hell sort of, uh, sequence. Oh, cool. And it's just some of the most beautiful artwork. Like, so scary looking. So, like, just amazing. I highly recommend if you haven't had a chance, to, uh, just type, type in the old search bar there, uh, Bernie Wrightson Ghostbuster art. It's pretty okay. amazing. That's awesome. Yeah, this is... Since you said the gates of hell, I was thinking about um, the gateway, the vortex that they have at the top of the building. And that had to leave an impression on me as a kid. Um, I think I found the idea of like a passageway to something that's not the same, like a a door or... um, a window to something that isn't the same as our reality. I found that super intriguing. And um, and I would say it even has an influence on my artwork that I make as an adult today. That's awesome. The idea that there is something, there's um, a passageway to something that's beyond our explanation or whatever. Not that I'm into like new age and the occult and stuff like that but i do think that even metaphorically there are things that we go through that are kind of like a passageway into something else and another thing i really liked about this movie and i can tell that it was part of the reason i liked it so much as a kid was the like practical tools that they had yeah, it's the kind of thing that somebody that was like a blue collar would come up with. Like, oh, I need something on my back that, like, can, uh, like, it's it looks like it's been slapped <laughs> together. It's not a professionally made tool thing or anything like that. <laughs> a proton pack. It's like literally, I don't know, but it's like you, you took the handle off a, a lawnmower and used that as the frame and then attached all these things like everything we need we'll just attach to it like yeah. we'll figure it out later it's relatively square i love the analog thing of it that it's just they have these tools that are kind of primitive looking and that they can kind of switch them or like flick the light on or open the door, close the door type thing, and then... But I, um, as a kid, I used to love taking stuff apart. That was, like, one of my favorite things to do. 
was to like get a radio or something and take it apart. And there's something really like tactile about the fact that they can take these instruments in the movie and they kind of mess with them and make their own stuff and they kind of create their own tools and they have all these gadgets with them, these like glasses and stethoscopes and calculators and readers and stuff. And I think that that was really cool, a really cool um, lo-fi, low-budget way to show that they were getting the job done yeah definitely the budget the budget was rough yeah they didn't have the the multi-million you know totally they didn't have the money they wanted but they just they got what they could done with what they had yeah they're not testing the prototype or, or whatever beforehand yeah, yeah. It's just running out there like you said that that elevator scene is just so great when they when they, when they turn the packs on <laughs> and they, they turn it on and they both just like move as far back as they can like <laughs> Yeah. It's so good. Does Lewis wear one of the packs in part two? Confirmed. Okay. No, no, well, no, no. He has a whole getup. Like, Janine gets him, like, a little jumpsuit together, too. But he has the, he he has a pack has on. the proton. Okay, because I was thinking that if it is his kid with Dana, it's a good thing he did that because he's definitely sterile after they activate it, right? I mean, you don't have, like, a nuclear fission machine. Without. I got the feeling the Ghostbusters weren't thinking about, you know, having kids. Oh, no, they can't reproduce, you know? don't yeah. they? Yeah, it's a good thing, because, I mean, think of those horrible children. Man. Nobody wants to, I mean, with Ray, because he's crossing his eyes every time, if you uh, know what I mean. I'd give Winston a chance, at least. Oh, Jeez. no, I'm sorry, Winston definitely. Yeah. It's already too late. Our MVP Ghostbuster, right? He's got seven. Is that your favorite? Like, who's your favorite Ghostbuster? It, it's Ray, for me. Oh, man. As a kid, it was Egon. Yeah, me too. I was all about it's Egon. Now it's Winston for me. I really liked Egon and Vankman when I was a kid. I probably was more like Egon, but I found uh, Vankman more fun. But Winston... Winston, yeah. I think as a kid I liked him a lot, but now that I'm older, I'm like, Winston's badass. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Yeah, because he's not a scientist like the rest of them. No. He's just a regular Joe who comes he's out like there, a, but he's got it. Yeah, totally. He comes into it, and he's just ready to deal with the craziness. Yeah. He doesn't act dumb when they, they like, explain things to him. He's, he just, like, takes all that information, and he's like, uh-huh, so what you're saying is we're screwed. <laughs> <laughs> so, so can we take the which Ghostbuster matches your personality quiz? No, we can't do that. I'm sorry. Oh, okay. Does, does, all right, Egon. I mean, never I mean, Joel. Existed. I mean, Joel gone. Joel I gone. I don't like it at all. <laughs> I wonder if Egon's actually a name. Has anyone ever been named Egon? Probably, I've never met anyone. Probably now, because oh. that's what people do. Right. Yeah, you name your kid Maverick or whatever. Egon. Anyway, uh, my, my son's Egon and Samwise Gamgee. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> there you go. <laughs> Elrond. <laughs> My kid, uh... Robocop. <laughs> um, there's definitely a lot of Bellas out there. Oh, yeah. A lot of, uh... Frozen. Jesse Thorne. What's the name of the snowman from Frozen? <laughs> I don't... I don't... I honestly haven't seen Frozen. <laughs> sure, so for sure. sure. Yeah. Let it go, Aaron. Let it go. <laughs> 
And the podcast is over forever. <laughs> it was really nice podcasting with you, too. Thank yeah. you for being my friends. So, I, I got a quick question. All right. Is this a horror movie? No. It's a, it's a comedy with, horror, with horror, horror themes. So, is it a horror comedy? No. I think it's just a comedy with, with some spooky... Well, I guess it would be a horror comedy, then. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, I know you're right. Because I feel like it's on the same level as Gremlins. Yeah. Like Gremlins is a little bit... No. Creepier. Yeah. Gremlins is creepier. But this has creepy stuff in it. I don't know. I was, I was sufficiently spooked as a kid on this movie. I was peeing my pants. I was so scared. I remember that's, that's not true. I remember one time I was watching it, and right there at the end, spoilers for Ghostbusters. <laughs> that was oh. a joke. That's a joke. But uh, when when Slimer is coming at you on on the, at the end of the movie, my aunt Jeannie was waiting and hiding, and she jumped out and scared the <laughs> out of me. Sounds like you have a fear of ants. I don't. I don't have a fear of ants. They're cool. Aunt Jeannie's cool. I was pretty pissed though. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> But you, you seem to be offended by the idea that Gremlins and Ghostbusters are maybe of the same genre. I think it's just one of those things that when you were a kid, if you saw it and you liked it, then it's in the same realm for you. But if you didn't see Gremlins as a kid and you see it as an adult, I mean, I don't know anybody who hasn't seen Ghostbusters their whole life and is watching it as an adult, but maybe it's the same reaction that it's creepier than it needs to be for kids if that's the intended audience. Mm. But mm. Um, I definitely feel that way about Gremlins. Yeah, I'm not sure. Yeah, I wouldn't. I wouldn't categorize either of these as kids' movies. Like I, I feel, I feel like they're reaching for a general audience. There's something more playful about Gremlins, if anything. But it's definitely leans harder into horror than Ghostbusters does, and although Ghostbusters is you know appropriate for kids because it's it's not like they're not cussing a lot and not a lot of sexual content, just innuendo and stuff like that. It's I don't know. I don't know if it's like I want my kid to watch this movie when he's five. I, I know we were uh, me gonna say this. gonna say I had say no understanding. Of any of the sexual innuendo in this movie <laughs> until someone, I think someone explained it to me and I was like, oh, that's why his pants are coming undone. <laughs> <laughs> I thought he had to pee real bad. I, I had no idea. I was like, that's a real funny face he's making. Oh, well. I think the thing, the thing, <laughs> the thing. It's a real funny face that guy's making. <laughs> What's going on here? The thing that I didn't notice and my whole freaking life until this viewing uh the scene where where uh, dana is being dragged into the the room in the chair mm -hmm. totally those hands are grabbing her boobs that like, was scary that part for me as a kid i remember the seeing the hands grab her but man that was a lot of that was a lot of fondling going on there guys that's the part that was making me think of poltergeist like getting drawn into some bright light against your will or whatever we watched Poltergeist together? I don't think so. I watched it by myself for the first time. I've seen that one a few times. Not with you guys, but yeah. I've, I've seen never it. watched it, I don't think. But 
But recently I had a memory of a part of the movie and I was like, I don't know if I've actually seen that movie or if I've just seen that part. But uh, I was going to say, it's probably not worth saying now. <laughs> yeah, nobody wants to. No, what are you saying? No, come on. I was going to say, I think Ghostbusters is a better movie than Gremlins. And I'm going to say... Oh, that's you know. what. Oh, that's what you were saying. Like, yeah. I don't like, forgive me. I don't think of them as being in the same realm because if you watch Ghostbusters now, it still feels. I feel like there's something elevated about like the cinematography and stuff. I, I see where you're coming from with the the, but but as a kid, like Gizmo and Slimer totally could have hung out together. Yeah, FYI, I understand. I, I feel like there's a practicality to the effects in Gremlins that is just as good as the practicality of the effects in, in Ghostbusters. I think the difference is that we're dealing mostly with adults in Ghostbusters, and, and Gremlins has the the young protagonist. They're not kids, because, I mean, he's got, like, a bank job. She works at a bar, but, you know, they're supposed to be on the younger side, stuff like that, but... No, I, I see where you're coming from, though, Sarah. Like, totally, Ghostbusters on a different level, for for reals. I but think I do. I do love Gremlins, though. <laughs> I think Ghostbusters is better than Gremlins too, but I, I think it's a personal preference, not necessarily a, a quality of filmmaking. Ghostbusters as well. No, Ghostbusters the second movie. No, you, I mean, yes, Gremlins as well. Gremlins two is better than Ghostbusters two. I could say that for a fact. 100%. But I prefer Ghostbusters Part 1 to Gremlins Part 1. Okay. But yeah. it is a personal preference. Yeah, I mean, if you really put both movies against each other, Ghostbusters wins like 10 out of 10, in my opinion. It's just, I think, in my heart of hearts, the bar scene from Gremlins 1 is probably like up there, though. <laughs> and is it is the only reason I even kind of like faltered for a moment because I just really like all the little gremlins running around doing their thing. And and j just to be overtly sexist, I'm going to say that maybe gremlins appealed more to little boys than it did to little girls. I feel really bad saying that, but it was just like some like cool like the trading cards. I wanted to look yeah. at these gross looking. The, the trading slimy, cards are amazing. Scaly creatures and stuff. It's like true. That. It's true. But Ghostbusters also kind of hit me on, on that on that level as being you know being a, a little kid like all those freaking disgusting action figures were amazing. I remember I had I had one that was like two ghosts and you could the, you could like rip them apart and there were two different ghosts. It was amazing. Ew. There's some cool stuff. I had like the sweep cleaner. I n I never had the Ecto one, but I had I had a couple other really cool ones. And I had a ton. A ton of the action figures. Like, uh, there were, they had a whole set of action figures that would, like, that would, like, they'd just be normal, and then, like, the ideas would bug out. Yeah, the yeah. bug out one, yeah. I had at least one of those. I yeah. had a couple, I had a couple of those. I think my parents didn't really believe in buying us as many toys as lots of other kids had. <laughs> and I appreciate that now that I'm older, but when I was a kid, I had, like, a few toys, and I cherished them. <laughs> Did you have a He-Man? Uh, yeah, I had a He-Man toy. That's awesome. But I didn't have, like, collections of toys. You know what? 
I used to get stuffed animals a lot from my dad and like miniature, like ceramic miniature animals. And I would keep them all in my room at my dad's house, which was like a totally different world. But, um. Yeah, a world where you were watching Stone Cold. Sorry. No, uh, I'm, uh. I'm going I think off it's topic. amazing. I'm going off topic. Uh, see, see our previous episode on uh, He-Man or Masters of the Universe with a uh, special guest Scott Cherry, Woo-woo. and of course a uh, previous episode on Stone Cold, where Joe felt the the shock that is still rocking his life every day. Man, Joel, you just gotta you gotta live with it, man. There I are mean, some things people, you know. The, the thing about it is, I'm just so happy that she did show us that movie. I I'm like, happy. I feel like my life became markedly better. Okay. No, 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 Pascal. You're not allowed to jump on the mixing board. Oh no! Get down, baby. Um. Thank you, Sarah. Thank you for picking this movie. Yeah, I love it. Same here. You're welcome. I. It was inevitable at some point in the podcast, right? Oh yeah, of course. <laughs> Yeah, can you imagine if we talked about a Star Wars? We'd have to. We'd have to end the podcast. Um, and it just uh, a Star Wars. Yeah, I was uh, funny enough. I was like five minutes ago thinking, are we ever going to watch the first uh, episode for Star Wars? <laughs> if you want to, you want to pick it. I don't know. I don't know. Or maybe it'll get randomly maybe picked. We'll, you know? Maybe we'll get it recommend or like a request. I would like maybe a special guest, maybe. I don't know. Yeah, that's yeah. that's the thing. I usually like want to hold off on the, the better known, well-known titles in yeah. case somebody wants to guest, and that's that's the thing. Uh, like, I mean, we've been doing this for three years. We just ran into our three-year anniversary, and, and nobody's given us Ghostbusters, so screw it. I'm happy. It's one of my faves. It's great. Yeah, so we all recommend Ghostbusters, and Sarah recommends Ghostbusters, too. Wait, no. Wait, how do how do we feel about Ghostbusters two in general? I I just I, I just had a um I, another Ghostbusters toy. I had. I'll tell you what I think about Ghostbusters two just after the story. I don't want to hear that. My so. parents took me to a science fiction convention, and I and my mom made me a Ghostbusters jumpsuit, and I didn't have the proton pack, but I had this thing that was like a Ghostbuster projector. Like, like you held it in your hand, you could click a button, it would put an image on the wall of your choice. Whoa. Like you could choose between like a ghost. Or the Ghostbuster logo, or nice. like Slimer, or something like that. Wow, it blowing my mind. It was a lot of fun. That's I got to cool. be a Ghostbuster. That's pretty fun. That's cool. Um, Ghostbusters Two holds a very special place in my in my life because I got to go to the I got to actually visibly remember going to the theater to see it. It was a phenomenon. All the kids in school were talking about it. I think I was just the perfect age to like fall in love with it and. And it makes me sad when people bag on it so much. I mean, they got to to ride on the the, the Statue of Liberty, yeah, it's and the, listen it's to some feel. Bag. They got to they got to they got to listen to some feel good vibes and get covered in slime. I don't know. I get it. There's a creepy painting, sure. The bad guy is not the best, but I mean, I don't want a good bad guy. I want a creepy, scary bad guy. Um, I liked Ghostbusters too, but. Nowhere near as much as I liked the first one. I think I I found the tone completely different in Ghostbusters 2. And, like, even just from the beginning with the stroller, like, 
I remember the stroller moving and getting this, like, I mean, now I feel like it's kind of like, I don't know, like Rosemary's Baby or the Omen or something, like when that stuff is happening. Definitely. But um, when I was a kid, I kind of was just like, this seems more seriously scary in a different way than Ghostbusters 1 did. I still like it. I still think it's a cool movie. Um, and I still think it's awesome that all the actors, they were able to get together again for that. Yeah, I honestly, I haven't rewatched it in a long, long time, and I've been avoiding it because everyone says it's it's just not good, and I, I, I have... You've never seen it, Joel? No, no, oh. I've, seen, I've seen it a bunch of times. Oh. I just, I'm holding on to my pleasant memories of it. Uh, you know you're I mean? not trying to rewatch it with, like, a scrutiny. Exactly. I gotta say, it's been a little while since I've seen it, to be honest with you. Um, I don't think I've rewatched it recently. Well, we're going to stay up and watch it and record on it. All right. right. No, no, I don't think so. I'm getting up in uh, three and a half hours. Viego. Sorry, four and a half hours. Viego? He must have the child. (laughs) Give me the child. Diego. Viego. He wants to put a baby on a throne or... There's that part where she's getting the baby ready for a bath, and she, like, takes her shirt off, and it's like, uh, she's in a bra, but who cares, because there's a big old pink monster about to grab her. Yeah, the blob in the tub. Mm -hmm. Scary. Yeah, blob is trying to get her and the baby, and it's scary. I don't like it. I think Sigourney Weaver with the baby, like, on her own... That, too, was, like, another, like, reality thing that was, like, different for me than in this movie. Yeah. Like, it was much more lighthearted in the first one. But in the second one, it's, like, there are some serious consequences for characters you care about. Yeah. Like. I see that. Totally. All right. I think we're okay. Yeah. You okay? Uh, Bustin makes me feel good. That is, uh, I didn't need to know that, (laughs) but I I know you can only bust when the movie's on, so (laughs) we're just going to move on here. Um, What's your favorite line from the movie? Um, that's, that's too difficult to answer at this Mm -mm. point. No, it's not. I don't have an answer. Aaron, what's your answer? Um, I click. Spool, uh, uh, mold, funguses, and spores. <laughs> <laughs> I really want to see Egon's house now. The girl asks you if you have a hobby. <laughs> I like how he's not listening to, or she's not listening to him and all that stuff like that. And he says, print is dead. It's 1984. Print is dead. <laughs> That's what they say now. They're still saying it. it hasn't been killed. That's right. What was he referring to? What what does he do? Just look at slides or I mean he's talking about He's talking about the, the, the spooky uh, tome that he always reads, right? The Yeah, whatever that was. I forget the name of the book. Some super fan I am. Yeah, you stink. You have a favorite line then, Sarah? Mm, it's true this man has no dick. <laughs> <laughs> Too good. It's a good Too line. Good. Mm-hmm. Too good. And as a kid, like, I don't think I even knew what that meant. Like, I wasn't even, like, but as I got older, I was like, Bill Murray is so funny in this movie. I guess there was a lot of ad-libbing. I read that in the trivia, too. That I read in the trivia that 
Bill Murray ad-libs a ton in most of the scenes that he's in, and that the part in the library where the bookcase fell down, and he goes, has that ever happened or something like that, is because the bookcase fell down and it wasn't supposed to. <laughs> that was, like, unscripted. <laughs> it's great. It's great. It's amazing. Possessed. I also kind of like the scene where Bill Murray just uh, is in the hallway. He sees Slimer and he just kind of grabs the walkie-talkie and yeah. just kind of holds it up to his face. <laughs> yeah. It's real good. Yes. That's one of my faves. I don't remember what he says, but I just like his uh, uh, body language. Mm-hmm. Ray? <laughs> yeah. It's looking at me. <laughs> Something like that. Yeah. Okay. Sorry. I'm going to wrap it. Okay. I'm going to read some outro stuff. You guys think of a lesson that you learned from, what is this? Ghost- Ghostbusters. How long do you think it took for them to come up with that name, though? Well, Ghostbusters as a name existed before Ghostbusters the movie, but that's a whole nother tale. Oh, you think they were ripping off the, the gorilla? No. The, uh, no. The car guys? No, I don't think they were. Oh, okay. I'm not in that Are you sure? (laughs) I don't mean, no, I don't mean, I don't mean the creators of the the Ghostbusters movie. I mean, like, in the movie, those guys thought of a name for their business and they decided Ghostbusters. Oh, right, right, right. How long did it come up with them to come up with the name? What about Extermination, Spirit Exterminators? I'm just imagining a scene. Anyways, uh, hey, listener, if you want to hear us talk about any other movie or you want to write in with your memories about Ghostbusters or you want us to read something on the air for you, go ahead and send in an email to please don't podcast gmail.com or message us on Facebook, facebook.com slash PDSMIOS. If you subscribe to us on Apple Podcast, iTunes, or the like, we'd appreciate it if you could leave us a five-star rating or a written review or something like that. Thank you in advance. And if you want to hear more podcasts like our ilk, then check out our podcasting network at eartrumpetaudio.com. There you can find all kinds of good stuff. Like, They See Me Rolling. Are you still listening to those guys? Oh, I took a bit of a break, but uh, their humor is amazing. Mm-hmm. Big fan, big fan of their their role playing ability, and would highly recommend a listen. Yeah, they always sound like they're having a lot of fun. But I will never play D anD D, and you can quote me on that, listeners. I would never play Dungeons and Dragons. <laughs> it's the devil's game. That's right. I don't even own a TV. I mean, a pair of dice. I mean, never mind. <laughs> Anyways, all that stuff's available at eartrumpetaudio dot com. All right. Did you guys learn a lesson from this movie? Yes, I did. When you were one year old, pooping oh, in your diaper? I mean, when no, you, when not were, at one. When you were 14, pooping in your diaper? Mm, no, probably still pooping in my diaper. Or when you're, uh, how old are you? Uh, 35. Pooping in your diaper? <laughs> <laughs> Can you clean this for me, Joel? All right. Um, Maybe later. Anyways. Thanks. <laughs> um, yes. Lessons from Ghostbusters. I learned that sometimes you just have to do the one thing you've been explicitly told not to do. Like sometimes you just have to cross the streams. I was going to say that I like the line in the in the ballroom or whatever it is, the dining room mm-hmm. in the hotel. 
And Ray's like, I'm going to go open the trap. Don't look directly at the trap. And he does it, and then Egon's like, I looked at the trap <laughs> right. <laughs> I like that line, too. Just good timing. Mm-hmm. It's good. Sarah, do you have a lesson? Yes. You don't have to listen to the EPA. No, I'm just kidding. <laughs> They're evil. <laughs> the EPA just wants to shut down your small business, yeah, guys. Exactly. They're attacking these small businesses. That's right. <laughs> That's completely not really how I feel. It's just funny that that guy has a beef with them from the get-go in this movie and he's just on a mission to shut down their power grid like as soon as he meets them. Yes, I guess maybe sometimes you need to uh, try see see what will happen before you um, shut the power off. Yeah. Don't just shut the power off without knowing the ramifications of that choice. Yeah. That Maybe. kind of applies to the Jurassic Park movie too, right? Mm-hmm. Isn't that what happens in part two also? Like the the guy has to shut out the shut off the power again for some reason. The guy that was in the burbs. Did they shut the power generator off the site in this in Ghostbusters two as well? I can't remember. He's I don't like remember. okay. And he like does it. He's wearing a hard hat. Oh, okay. You know which guy I'm talking about? Yeah. He's in Groundhog Day also. He's one of the drunk pancake eaters. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Anyways, uh, yeah. So a lesson that I learned is that you should always get a estimation of a service before agreeing to said service. In any case, even if it's an emergency, you don't just want to let any plumber walk in and then end up charging you, uh, say, $220. Because it turns out that because you poured a drain cleaner in your drain before he used a snake, that they have to charge you an extra $70 service fee. And he can show you in his book where it says that, even though that wasn't part of the estimation. But he didn't ask you before he did the job if you poured any of that stuff in there. So guess what? You're out that extra 70 bucks. Not that I have personal experience. <laughs> I was going to say, it sounds like a minute-by-minute minute, uh, description of uh, something that might happen to you. I have Sorry, another, another uh, advice. <laughs> another lesson. No, give me, give me some advice here. <laughs> okay. Um, make friends with a plumber. <laughs> what? Get an honest estimate from that. Oh. <laughs> no. Um, another um, lesson from the movie: if you have a creepy building that you live in, mm-hmm. and it seems like overly creepy, you should find out if someone built it to try and make a gateway for like supernatural paranormal stuff. Yeah, I agree. <laughs> That's also one of my favorite parts of the movie, the way they ex- like they actually take the time to explain why the building looks like that and and why it becomes a conduit. Because yeah. they could it could have just been like a random thing. Like, why why is it even like that? No nobody had to say a damn thing, but they're like, check out these blueprints. It's the craziest thing I've ever heard of. <laughs> yeah. Annie Potts is also amazing in this movie. We didn't talk about her. Yeah, she is. She's so funny. I think casting was amazing. Oh, yeah. Anyways, we'll see you next week, folks. Thank you for listening. Bye. Thanks.
Thank you. EarTrumpetAudio.com Ideas and entertainment. Loud and clear.